Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to True Time. This case will be continuing our Halloween theme, so today we will be discussing the Napa Valley Halloween murders. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to True Time. Welcome back. Thank you all again so much for all of the support and the following. It's been super fun watching our podcast grow. Yeah, it's crazy. It's been fun. It's exciting to look at the numbers rise every day. Yeah, we check at least 20 to 30 times a day. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably not the most healthy thing, but it's fun. No, I think it's very healthy. It's oh, okay. <laughs> no, but it's really cool to see that we have listeners all around the world. So shout out to everybody. Yes, that is pretty cool. And we actually have our social media platforms pretty up much and up running. and running. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So wherever you're listening from, you can find us on Facebook and instagram and we're working on tiktok yeah tiktok is uh probably going to start getting posted on this week yeah we just really want to come up with cool ideas that maybe they're related to the podcast maybe they're something some extra bonus material Mm -hmm. but you can find us all at true time podcast yes so give us a follow Please. (laughs) Please. All right. So are you ready for today's case? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So I guess that's your Halloween voice. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I can stick with it the whole podcast. I'll just whisper. It's like ASMR. Yeah. You know how I feel about ASMR. Yeah. (laughs) No, thanks. All right. But I guess we'll kick it off. Sounds good. So... It was Halloween of 2004 in Napa Valley, California. Mm. And Napa is known for its beautiful weather, scenic views, and world-famous vineyards. And even with the high volume of tourists that make their way to Napa, it was known to be a pretty safe community. Mm -hmm. So safe that the last homicide that even occurred in Napa was two years prior to the 2004 Halloween murders. Wasn't Napa just like sort of a bougie, expensive place to live? Yeah, big wine country, but very safe. Nice. So Adrian Insagna, Leslie Mazzara, and Lauren Minza were friends and roommates living together in their home on Dorset Street. From what I read, it sounded like Napa consisted of an older population, so it wasn't the typical choice for three young women in their mid-20s to choose to live. However, the location provided them all with their dream jobs. Okay. What were their dream jobs? So let's get started with Adrienne. Mm -hmm. She was a sweet, more introverted person with a small circle of friends, and she worked as a civil engineer for the Napa Sanitation District. Oh, nice. She had to work hard and overcome quite a few obstacles to obtain her dream job because when she was 16, she barely survived an almost fatal car crash. And according to medium.com, the car rolled three times and she hit her head on the pavement due to the window being down. Oh my God. Yeah, that's 
scary. Yeah. And because of it, she did have some temporary brain damage, which caused her to deal with memory loss. But she was able to overcome and earn a scholarship to California Polytechnic State University, where she became an engineer. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. She, yeah. Super, that's amazing. super impressive. And personally, outside of her two roommates, Leslie and Lauren, she only had one other best friend named Lily Prudhomme, who, uh, according to swordandscale.com, she had met through work. Okay. Uh, the next roommate, Leslie, had recently moved to Napa from Anderson, South Carolina, where she actually was a former beauty queen. She was extremely outgoing and had lots of friends, and her bright personality had brought her to a crossroads when deciding on a career path. Mm-hmm. She, um, Medium.com stated that she was trying to decide between potentially becoming a teacher or an attorney. However, her mom had gone to Berkeley and asked her to come visit for the summer and work at a winery to kind of help free up her mind and guide her yeah. towards a decision. Mm-hmm. However, she was hired right away at the winery, and even though it was kind of meant to be a temporary job, she fell in love with it and began working in public relations at the winery and made it her full-time job. That's cool. That's sort of, I don't know, I think that's sort of a funny friend relationship. One's like a beauty queen, and then the other's like a civil engineer. Yeah. (laughs) You wouldn't (laughs) think that they'd be like best friends. I know. Very broad range of personalities and interests. Mm Mm-hmm. And their third roommate, Lauren, um, according to ABC News, she was an all-state athlete and had a degree in political science. Mm. I couldn't find what her exact occupation was, and it seemed during the time of this case, a lot of her personal information was withheld. Okay. It was Lauren and Adrian who met originally and decided to rent a home together. And they even celebrated their move-in with having friends, Lily Prudhomme, Adrian's best friend and Lily's boyfriend, Eric Koppel came over Mm -hmm. and they celebrated kind of settling in, but not too much later during that summer was when they met Leslie and she became their third roommate, according to ABC news. Okay. And after living together for a few months, it was on October 28th that Leslie had brought home a man she had been seeing for the night. And this was the first time any of the roommates had done this. So according to ABC News, they had a discussion about the topic and they all agreed that it was okay to have guests of the opposite sex over. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just kind of usual roommate agreements, talks. They're all mid to late 20s, so it's kind of a normal thing. Yeah. And a few days later, it was October 31st, Halloween. Together, they spent their Halloween evening passing out candy to all the trick-or-treaters that came up to their door. And at around 11 p.m. that night, the girls had turned out the lights and gone to bed. Adrian and Leslie had the two bedrooms upstairs, and Lauren's bedroom was downstairs. At around 2 a.m., Lauren noticed that their motion-sensored security light behind the garage turned on, and she told ABC News her dog gave off a warning bark, but she just figured it was one of Adrian's cats outside, so she calmed down her dog and tried to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. However, only a few minutes later, she heard loud footsteps heading up the stairs, which she assumed to be Leslie's boyfriend coming over again. Mm-hmm. But this was shortly followed by, quote, a blood-curdling, terrified scream, end quote. 
and she could hear Adrian screaming, quote, oh my God, please help, please help, end quote. Lauren slowly came out of her room in the dark and was gearing up to go upstairs until she heard loud footsteps rushing down the stairs. Lauren said, quote, he was just flying down the stairs, breaking stuff as he came around, end quote. Oh my God. She was terrified, so she ran out the back door, but she was stuck in the backyard, so she hid the best she could. So that guy was still in the house? Like, he just ran downstairs? Yeah, she heard him. Like, she was about to go up to investigate and Mm -hmm. then heard footsteps coming at her, so she just darted out the back door. Yeah. But she got stuck because they had a fence. Mm. So she just had to basically hide for her life. And she said that uh, she heard the intruder messing with the kitchen window and then maybe running off. And then everything just became completely quiet. But she could still hear Adrian crying for help. Yeah. Slowly, she built up the courage to go back inside to call 911 and help her roommates, even though she wasn't sure that whoever had broken in may still be inside. She tried to use the landline in the kitchen, but it was dead. So she began to head upstairs, and what she saw was absolutely gruesome. Leslie was face down on the floor, that was covered in blood. She had stab wounds all over her arms and upper body, according to ABC News. Adrian was crouched behind the bed, still alive, but bleeding profusely from her multiple stab wounds. Lauren ran back downstairs to grab her cell phone to call 911 and actually slipped due to the amount of blood everywhere. So this was targeted directly towards her, right? So that guy like ran upstairs to find her specifically. Yeah. So at the time, it, you know, you don't know. We don't know who at this point in the story. They don't know who the victim, like the main target was. Okay. But we just know that Leslie was face down and Adrian was slowly dying. Oh, he stabbed both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. They were both in the same room or... So I'll explain it. I'll get to the full explanation of like their, the layout of the crime scene. Sounds good. But Lauren, you know, she ran back downstairs to grab her phone, her cell phone to call 911. And um, once she got to her phone, she realized the murderer could potentially still be close by. Yeah. So she ran to her car and drove off as she called 911. Once the paramedics got to the home, they announced that Leslie was dead and Adrian died shortly after from the multiple stab wounds. Oh my God. Unfortunately, Lauren told the police everything she had heard, but since it was so dark and she was hiding in fear for her life, she never saw the murderer. As the investigation began, the police collected about 266 pieces of evidence, according to ABC News. Damn. Some of the most important pieces were cigarette butts that were found outside of the house, which the police believed that the killer had just been waiting outside smoking before breaking into the home. Oh my, so that's creepy. Yeah, just sitting and waiting for the prime time. Bro, these people are so messed up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. And they also did actually find some blood that didn't belong to Leslie or Adrian outside of the kitchen window where he had broken in Mm -hmm. and left out of. They were sent for DNA testing and ABC News stated that, quote, 
It contained the DNA of a white male of probable North European descent, end quote. That's so broad. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit narrowed down, but not much. And as we talked about before, Napa was not used to this type of crime, and everyone became extremely fearful since a killer had not been caught right away, and some really awful rumors began to circulate about the murders. Medium.com said, for example, people were spreading that the girls were involved in drugs and drugs, and that yeah. the murders were a hit, or that the man who owned the winery where Leslie worked, named Francis Ford Coppola, quote, had mob ties and the ladies were collateral damage, end quote. What the fuck? So they're just making up stuff? Yeah, none of those rumors were true. Yeah. But I guess people were just trying to make sense of something so awful. That's, why do you jump to those crazy conclusions? I don't know, a town struck with fear, I guess. Yeah. According to the findings of the crime scene, Police believed at first that Leslie was the main victim since she had been attacked first. And after being stabbed while she was still asleep, it appeared that she tried to run towards Adrian's room, who tried to help her, but also became fatally stabbed in the process. Mm. So that goes back to answer your question. She was stabbed in her room and then tried to run to Adrian, mm-hmm. ended up finished being murdered in Adrian's room, and then Adrian was also stabbed. Uh, so she was just like collateral damage just because she was there. Like, I mean, that's what the police are. Okay. Yeah. There's thinking. Okay, so you're going deeper. Yeah. It gets a lot deeper. Okay. So with no obvious suspects popping up right away, police had to investigate deep and started with looking into Adrian and Leslie's pass because mm-hmm. this was no random act. They, the police, knew the killer had waited outside the home and he went straight upstairs. So he clearly knew the home. Yeah, he knew like the layout of the house. Mm -hmm. So starting with Adrian, police noticed that she had an on-again, off-again boyfriend named Christian Lee. And according to medium.com, Adrian wanted a serious commitment from Christian, but he couldn't commit. And she did actually go visit him that Halloween night after passing out candy, but she left his home by around 10 p.m. And Adrian was buried to herself, so this was the most suspicious activity in her life. They had arguments and stuff like that about their relationship. But Christian Lee was questioned and DNA tested, and he was found not to be a suspect. Okay, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Leslie, as we know, however, had many friends and men she had been seeing. According to her friends, though, she was sweet and never had any of her relationships end on bad terms. They called her a true, unintentional heartbreaker. (laughs) I know. And she has the most interesting dating history. And I'll explain some. Okay. So Leslie's computer was taken as evidence and police found an email from an ex who she'd broken up with after he proposed to her. But that didn't have any relation to the murders. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I know. She also had a man take her on a cruise. Another man had bought her a car. Wait, this was the beauty queen? Yes. Okay. So. Yeah. (laughs) It was just. When? What year was this again? 2004. Oh, I was going to say they were just like sliding in their DMs on Instagram. Nope. (laughs) That wasn't around yet. They were 
Sending emails. But she is in Napa Valley working at a wine, winery. Winery, yeah. Mm-hmm. So all yeah. these men. Rich are, men. Yeah. <laughs> and she, you know, just her outgoing personality, her beauty, it captivated a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And shortly before the murders, she visited South Carolina for a friend's wedding and had an entire brand new set of luggage from another man. And even the night she was murdered, the father of a man she had broken up with, like, was trying to call her and get in touch with her. What the? Yeah. And a few weeks, also a few weeks before the murders, some of Leslie's friends from South Carolina came to visit, and she had told them she was dating two men at once, and they were jealous of each other. (laughs) So so the, the men knew. Yes. She was not, she was not keeping any secrets, but no, she, I guess her sweet personality, she was really, I think just kind of kind hearted. They could never be mad at her. I think they were all just competing with this each other. so strange. Yeah. And, okay. you know, police were gathering this information and possibly thinking someone she had started seeing had potentially become grossly obsessed with her. However, all of the men in Leslie's life were questioned and DNA tested and none were a match. That's good. Police interviewed between 1,300 and 1,500 people and gathered around 200 DNA samples, but nothing was connecting. God. Yeah. Lauren, the surviving roommate during this time, said, quote, It turns my world into looking around and having a suspicion about everybody. I was thinking everybody was a suspect, any of my friends, end quote. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Especially when you're there, yeah. you hear everything happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously, this time going by with so much unknown was extremely difficult for the family and friends of Adrian and Leslie. Adrian's best friend, Lily, had a hard time and had put her wedding on hold shortly before the murders even happened. But a few months later, she ended up marrying her boyfriend, Eric Koppel, and Lily really wanted to honor her best friend. So she had Adrian's mother attend their wedding where she read a Bible verse and they played one of Adrian's favorite songs. And Leslie's family organized a fundraiser in South Carolina called the Raising Race to raise money for Calvary Home for Children, which was an organization Leslie worked with while she was a beauty queen. That's cool. Yeah. So the time of unknown was difficult. They tried to bring as much light into everything as they could. Mm-hmm. About 11 months after the murders in September of 2005, police finally decided to release information about the cigarettes that were found at the scene to the public. Mm. The brand of cigarettes was Camel Turkish Gold, which were a very unique since they had only been on the market for about four months by the time of the murders, making whoever smoked them a prime suspect. Yeah. I mean, just an experience, like police experience, dealing with cigarettes, I guess, as like a piece of evidence. You're not going to stray too far. Smokers don't usually change their brands. Yeah, that makes sense. So anybody smoking this brand new cigarette brand like line was going to be a pretty clear suspect so their thought process was to just find anyone yeah who smokes that mm-hmm. okay a few days later 
Eric Koppel and his wife, Lily, arrived to the police station, where he turned himself in for the murders since he believed he was about to be caught due to the cig- cigarette information that was released. Wait. So, the roommate that survived? No. Adrian, one of the ones who'd passed away, who had the small friend group circle. Yeah, okay. Her best friend, Lily, and her now husband, Eric. Okay. Oh, the ones that had come and seen the house mm-hmm. when they first moved in. Mm-hmm. He, uh, why? He did it. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Well. How, so wait, how long after they had come and seen the house did this happen? A couple months. What the? And they lived in the area? Yes. What the hell? Yeah. That's so random. Mm-hmm. Or at least it seems random. It's, there's, I'll, I'll explain, but I will agree with you. It's pretty random, not much explanation. Hmm. So everyone was shocked, as you just were. Yeah. Police had even tried to get in touch with him to question him shortly after the murders, but he never responded. And since he wasn't believed to be a suspect, he was forgotten about. (laughs) Yeah. God, no rock unturned. That shows you that like, yeah, can't trust anyone, I guess. No. And I guess the reason he was able to get away with it so long was he was believed to be one of Adrian's friends. She had a small group. So most likely those people were trusted. Yeah. And just a quick reminder, Adrian's mom attended his wedding. She read the Bible verse and everything. So I couldn't even imagine how that would feel. You attend your daughter's murderer's wedding. Yeah. And you're a part of it. Yeah, you have no idea. Mm Mm-hmm. He also even attended a candlelight vigil for Adrian and Leslie with Lily shortly after their murders. This guy has no soul. No. It like he only turned himself in because he thought he was gonna get caught because yeah. of cigarettes. So he didn't mm-hmm. care this whole time. Nope. Yeah. After his arrest, he gave a DNA sample and it matched the cigarette butts and the blood found on the scene. God. So during the interview, when he turned himself in, he claimed he couldn't remember everything that happened that night, so the murder weapon was never even found. The heck? Yeah. That seems weird. Mm-hmm. I know. And in January of 2007, Eric Koppel pleaded guilty to the two murders and was sentenced to life in prison. And he did receive a plea deal that took away the possibility of the death penalty and the possibility of parole. He also agreed to never having the possibility to seek an appeal, and he can never profit financially from the murders. So he is only allowed to speak to family members and clergy about what happened that night, according to the Napa Valley Register. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's good. I I think that's all good stuff. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I don't really know cases well enough to know if that's like a normal thing to do that stuff. Yeah, well, that kind of relates back to 
the Cassie Joe Stoddart case we talked about last yeah, week. Yeah, how the parents Tori, his off. parents had written a book and profited off of the murder of the, that girl. Yeah. So the family's an attempt to protect their daughters had this agreement made. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't think any murderer or their parents should be able to do anything like that. Like they should, that should just be automatically. Like, yeah. You should not be allowed to make money off of that stuff. No. I know it's really gross. Yeah. And if you're the parent that did that, you're pretty <laughs> messed up. Yeah. It's it's sad, but you know, even his wife Lily. Oh yeah. Yeah. So she said, quote, in the days before he confessed, I knew something was terribly bothering him. I told him, Eric, there is nothing in this world that you could do to make me love you less. Those words are just as true today as they were that afternoon, end quote, the Napa Valley Register stated. So she doesn't even care or she still loves him? She, just based off of reading everything, you know, she was upset, but she still loved him. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I don't, I guess that's just an insane position. You never even predict yourself stumbling into the person you decide to spend the rest of your life with murdered your best friend it's it seems random too because most of the time like they murder their wife or something yeah like parents or i don't know yeah it's weird i know just like their friends Mm -hmm. maybe he was like jealous of them or yeah so that kind of is a guess Uh, He did speak at his trial and he blamed his actions on the depression and alcohol abuse he fell into after his grandfather died and admitted that he was going to kill himself, but he chose to turn himself in instead for closure for the families and friends. Mm -hmm. I, uh. I know. He said, quote, I'm a broken man. I cannot fathom an explanation for my sinful deeds. The terrible agony inflicted upon a great number of people. Words evade me, end quote. And, you know, with that, the true motive hasn't really been released. And Sword and Scale said it's believed that he just became jealous of how close Lily and Adrian were. Mm. And... This ended up making Adrian the main victim that night since he had actually never even met Leslie before. He only knew Adrian and Lauren from the time he'd visited the home. Oh, yeah, because they didn't have that. She wasn't the roommate yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. So he, I think he was trying to target Adrian first but went into the wrong bedroom technically. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Wow. And... Lauren, because she had the first floor bedroom and her, she said she had her door shut that night. Mm-hmm. She said there were so many, like reading the ABC News article and interview she did, she talked about how she almost let her dog out when he got upset. Yeah. Or going upstairs sooner when mm-hmm. she heard something weird. Yeah, so she could have mm-hmm. been a victim too. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so she was many. Just sort of lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's insane. Damn. Yeah, this is just so random to me. Yeah, I think it's it's just so strange when 
such a weird reasoning. And because obviously he's not allowed to talk about it, we'll never probably truly know. Yeah. Are there any updates on her, the survivor? Like, no, I looked, that's what I'm saying. I looked her up to mm -hmm. try to figure out specifically what her occupation was or more information on her. And I can't find anything. Okay. And at the time that ABC News interview was published was shortly after the murders and she was keeping like her last name withheld yeah now I mean, it's public knowledge but okay yeah so i'm not sure where she is today or how she's overcome anything she's had a lot a lot of life traumatizing events yeah yeah, yeah. i feel bad for her. i know she the last bit of information i did find was she relocated to la because she said she felt safer in a place where crime was more normal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess maybe so you just feel more used to hearing about sad things. Whereas in Napa, it You're was in a bubble. It was a shock. Yeah. So those are the Napa Valley Halloween murders. Okay. Nice. So thank you all again for listening to another Halloween themed episode. Yes. Next week will be the big Halloween episode. Yeah. Next week we'll be dedicated strictly to Halloween, specifically Halloween or you said. Yeah. This okay. one pretty much was as well. Yeah. But next okay. week's is kind of creepy. So. Okay. Cool. Be ready. However, we do also want to let you guys know that we release episodes every Monday. Every Monday morning, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of our schedule for now and when all of our new information and pictures about the cases that will be posted to social media. Yeah, if you want to see pictures related to the case and you post the articles too yeah i put um the case sources for yeah. all of the information i use is in um the description on the podcast but if you want to see like pictures and the websites i get the pictures from those are all in oh, the captions right. okay. on our social media platforms mm -hmm. yep the facebook page and instagram that's where the pictures go right yes yep. okay yeah so we all Really appreciate your feedback. Please, you know, continue letting us know if you have any suggestions, ideas. Yeah. We really hope to get more interactive soon. And Yeah, as the following grows, we want to do more things interactive with the audience. Yeah, we have some fun stuff we've talked yeah. about lately. So it's exciting. Yeah, we're very excited. So keep in touch with us and we'll let you know what's going <laughs> on. For sure. All right. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week and we will talk to you next Monday. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.